We remain standing this morning to honor the gospel of Jesus Christ, as well as the reading from the book of Genesis. First from John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do the signs you do except for the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again or from above or anew. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What what is born of flesh is flesh, and what is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I say to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can these things be, asked Nicodemus. Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you don't understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one's ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, that is, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that God gave God's only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life indeed. God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. A reading from the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you And in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord commanded. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. As you're seated, our children are dismissed for their time of worship. We bow together and pray. Speak, Lord, your servants listen. Reveal your way to peace. And having heard, make courage grow to step into the breach. God, we we do come asking, seeking, knocking. 
Some of us have been in church a long, long time. We feel like we know Nicodemus personally. Teach us more. Reveal more. That we may be more for you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Some people will look at Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night under the cover of darkness as a sign of cowardice. But you know already the courage it takes to ask and seek and knock. To extend yourself. To take the risk. To be who you really are. Nicodemus is a religious leader. He's the kind of person who shows up from church, for church on Daylight Savings Sunday. He's a good man, like many of you here today. He's a leader. He's a Pharisee, which back in those days was a compliment, not a put-down. He was in the in-group. He, he, he walked with a certain confidence because he understood the law and he understood the things of God. So you can imagine the risk he's taking in being seen kind of bumping his gums with this Jesus guy who is an unauthorized, uncredentialed preacher who has this ragtag group of followers who just in the last chapter were in Cana of Galilee at a wedding and somehow the wine ran out. And the suspicion is it was the disciples. And we're worried about this Jesus. I mean, he's talking about abundance. He's not making just a little bit of wine. He's making a whole lot of wine. He's throwing a party as if to say God is bigger than we ever dreamed. God is free to love whomever God loves and not just us. And sure enough, in the very next chapter, John chapter 4, there go Jesus and the disciples off to Samaria. Be like going to Iraq to, to hang out with the Muslims. What are you doing? You're not playing within the rules. And that's exactly his point. God operates outside of our prescribed rules. God is always operating at the margins. Where the voiceless are, where the powerless are. God doesn't always work within the safety of our human-made system. So he comes at night. Nighttime is when I often set down all of my responsibilities. When I take off the uniform and all the responsibilities of being parent or son or whatever those responsibilities that you carry all day long. Maybe like me and Nicodemus, it's at night when you start to get real. You start to ask questions. You start to wonder. In our old Baptist parlance, we would have said... He's under conviction. So he goes to Jesus and he leads with this compliment. And Jesus bats the compliment away to get right to the point. Unless you're born again. Unless you're born anew. Unless you're born from God. You're not part of God's program. Nicodemus has never heard anything like this at all. He is strategic He is a person who follows the rules, connects the dots. He doesn't handle this this image well. He's a literalist. 
all I can picture is being back in the delivery room with my mother. How can someone do this, he asks. And you and I may not be in that space. We may know that Jesus isn't talking about physical birth. But then, what do you think it means to be born again? Born from above, born anew. Well, if it's akin, anyway, akin to our physical birthing, then it has to do with leaving the comfort and the security of the home you've known, the space you're currently occupying, in order to enter into a new space, a bigger space, a more expansive space. Isn't that what birthing is? to leave the familiar in order to enter this new world. But when you do, you're always vulnerable. You're always naked. You're dependent. You don't know. You're completely out of control. It's everything Nicodemus would hate. In other words, you have to be willing to die to your current life, in a sense, to let it go, to leave it, in order to be born into something new. And it makes me wonder if the story of Abram and Sarai isn't a kind of metaphor for this born-again experience, leaving that which is familiar in order to embrace and be embraced by that which is new and to trust, to trust that when you let go, you're caught. So for you and me, What if being born again is to let go of the reality, the life that we've forged for ourselves through our own efforts, our own control, our own worry and manipulation and strife, the the, the people that we are, the the reputation we have, uh, the persona we've created, the stories that we've told ourselves and others about ourselves? What if if being born from above is setting all of that aside? in order to be welcomed into a different and sacred reality, a whole new world, a whole new world, one that's based upon humility and honesty and harmony and integrity and generosity. The only way to be born into this sacred reality is to first be vulnerable and die. To leave the world of scarcity in order to enter into the world of abundance. To leave the world of competition and control in order to enter into the world of gift and grace. It's a hard dying Are you willing to do that? Jesus said, I came into the world for this very reason, to point to the way, to walk the way, to embody this way of vulnerable love, to to come and die into this life of vulnerable love that blesses and heals and in some ways is timeless. It's eternal. It moves from generation to generation. Jesus said, this is my story, that life and God want to invite all of creation to live from this sacred reality, that we come from God and we go to God, to a God of abundance and harmony and forgiveness, 
to live it and trust it and not to cling to where we've been, but to trust the one who is leading the way into this new, brave world. To trust that your life's journey will unfold as it will, as it will. Even if it means you lose a lot or suffer a lot or die a little even. We hear of Nicodemus again in chapter 7 and then again at the very end of the story. On that darkest of nights when Jesus, the icon of love and humility, of trust and honesty, is naked and splayed. The final vulnerability is he's executed on a cross. It's in that moment that Nicodemus, the Pharisee, shows up. He no longer cares who knows, who sees. He no longer cares about the consequences or all the tisking that others might do, but rather with the tenderness of one who has been born from above. He takes the lifeless body of Jesus and gives it a burial. And surely as he handled that body, he recognized, he saw what there is to see that something is still happening. God is still at work. Daniel Berrigan, the Catholic activist, Jesuit priest, who spent many years in Central America, wrote this. Sometime in your life, hope to see one starving man. Hope to see one starving man. The look on his face when the bread shows up. And hope that you might have baked that bread or bought that bread or even kneaded the bread yourself for that look on his face, for your hands meeting across a piece of bread, you might be willing to lose a lot or suffer a lot or die a little even. John doesn't tell us whether Nicodemus was there on Resurrection Sunday. I hope he was. But if not, surely he had already experienced on that darkest of nights that great mystery that the Lord is with us. The Lord will keep us in our going out and in our coming back from this time on and forevermore. Thanks be to God. Amen.